From the Financial Times, this is FT News and I'm Jyotsna Singh in Delhi. Last year, nearly 700,000 Rohingyas fled Myanmar following a violent crackdown by state security forces. They ended up in Cox's Bazar in neighboring Bangladesh. Aid agencies describe this as an unprecedented mass movement of people. Setting up temporary shelters for such a large number of people has been a big challenge and now relief workers are worried the seasonal monsoon rains are set to spell further disaster for the refugees. The FT's South Asia correspondent Kiran Stacey visited Cox's Bazaar and joins me now to tell us more. Kiran, the monsoon seems to have unleashed its fury on the refugees already. Tell us how bad the situation is. Well, the rain started now just over a week ago. I was there in the camps around three or four days after they did start. Things were already looking quite worrying. The paths that a lot of the NGOs had built through the camps had started to disintegrate. There was evidence of landslides. There was quite a lot of damage done to some of the health and sanitation facilities. And what the aid workers who work there are really worried about is that as the rain goes on, this damage will build and build and build and start to undermine the foundations of a lot of these buildings. And they say the big concern is landslides. Now, I talked to one man, Abdul Shukur, who had fled Myanmar about a year ago with his two young children and managed to find a place to stay in the camps. He, in fact, built his shelter himself largely out of mud. On, I think, around the third day of the rains, there was a mini landslide and some earth collapsed in on the wall of his house and it knocked the wall onto his sleeping child, his three-year-old son, who very tragically died during the night. There's also the risk of outbreak of waterborne diseases. Tell us, what is the level of preparedness and what are the key challenges before the relief agencies? The thing that relief agencies are really worried about is contamination of waste and sewage into the water supply. And they say this is very likely. One of the things that is true in the camps is that the water table is very high and a lot of people have made wells that don't go very deep. They're just shallow bore wells, tapping as much water as they can from not very deep in the ground. On top of that, of course, you've got these makeshift latrines everywhere, which are basically just pits in the ground with a bit of concrete over the top of them. Now, if the latrines start getting washed away, it's very easy for that matter to get into the water system. And then you're going to start seeing really serious waterborne diseases like cholera breaking out. So what the relief agencies have been doing is trying to dig some deeper wells. And it's been going around and doing a lot of that. But the fact is there are a million people living in these refugee camps. That's a large city that they're having to suddenly manufacture a new water system for. They're not going to be able to handle every single eventuality. Is the Bangladeshi government doing enough to help the refugees? The Bangladeshi government has done some things to help the refugees. It's made the land available for them. It's given them safe passage over the river Naf into Bangladesh itself. It's provided some materials for them. But the big concern for Dhaka is that they don't want it to look like the refugees are there permanently, which means they haven't allowed them to build anything out of concrete. All of the buildings there, almost all of the buildings, are makeshift. They're made largely out of mud, bamboo and tarpaulin. And these materials just aren't going to stand up to three months of solid rain. So finally, I think some of the relief agencies have managed to persuade the Bangladeshi government to allow them to build things like drainage channels with concrete. 
But the fact is most of the shelter, most of the accommodation there will be very easily swept away. And what about Myanmar? Is it willing to accept the refugees back? And also, is the international community able to exert enough pressure on Myanmar to deal with the situation on an urgent basis? Well, Myanmar has said that they are willing to take the refugees back. They've built transit camps all along the Bangladeshi border, which they say are open and ready to receive the refugees when they come back. They've also signed a memorandum of understanding as to the conditions under which those refugees will be treated. But the fact is that many people in the international community think that the Rohingyas simply aren't going to be safe if they go back to Myanmar. Under a very repressive law, the Rohingyas aren't allowed citizenship. Many Burmese don't even consider them Burmese at all. They see them as another nationality entirely. And there's very little evidence that that stance has changed from the government of Aung San Suu Kyi. So I think what international agencies, what the international community wants to see before they agree that the Rohingya should go back home, is some kind of framework put in place where they can be guaranteed their safety, maybe given a path to citizenship, and make sure that the kind of violence we saw last year where government soldiers just went from village to village, this is what all the testimony has told us, went from village to village, burning houses, raping women, killing people, where there is not going to be any repeat of that. And at the moment, I don't think that they're confident that would be the case. What is your sense after talking to people? Are the refugees willing to return? And how soon can they expect to go back? I think I would say all refugees, like all refugees everywhere, want to go home, of course. But the fact is they know it's not safe. Some are more optimistic than others about their chances. One person I talked to said, well, we left at Eid al-Adha last year, which was beginning of September, I think, and I think we'll be back home by Eid al-Adha this year. Well, I don't think anybody who's watching this from afar thinks that that is likely to be the case. But it must be very powerful. That pull to come home is very powerful for the people living in these vast refugee camps. And I think if there's any chance for them to return home, they'll do so as soon as possible. Thanks, Kiran, for the update on a serious humanitarian crisis facing hundreds of thousands of Rohingya refugees in Bangladesh. Thanks for listening. Hello, we're rethinking our podcast strategy here at the Financial Times and we'd love to hear your views. We're asking listeners to rate our podcasts and to tell us what you like and don't like about our shows. To contribute to our survey, follow the link in our show notes or go to ft.com forward slash podcast feedback to enter our prize draw to win £500 or the equivalent in dollars. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc.